Welcome to the Ambitious Mom Podcast, the podcast for the woman who is building a business empire and a family legacy. Having it all and living the life of your dreams now. No delay and no sacrifice required. We'll talk life, online business, spirituality, and everything in between. Here's your host, Katie Fleming. Let's do this thing. Welcome back to the Ambitious Mom Podcast. I have got a treat for you today on the show. I get the amazing opportunity to share one of my private clients with you, Katie Farrow from Orderly Accounting with Katie. This is the third episode we have done over the last few years. We've been working together since early 2019. And what is so cool, I'm still giddy about this. And I'm recording this intro days later after we actually recorded the actual episode. We have had on our radar for a while to start talking about, to do an episode together, talking about how she has created everyday paydays in her business. After loosely setting the intention, putting in the work, releasing attachment, like it has happened. But what's really cool is like with life and business and a hurricane happening in Florida and like kids sick and like different schedules and stuff like that, this episode got delayed until the 3rd of October and it could not have been more perfect. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because literally that day was truly her and I getting to sit inside the vision that we for so long saw in her business. This, I say it all the time, and she reminds me that I say it all the time, and that is we have to, as business owners, we have to hold the vision that we see so clearly. We ha- And even when we don't see it clearly, we have to hold the vision in the gap. We have to steward the vision in the moments where it seems like it's not working or it's not working as fast as we want it to, or it's not even fully here yet. And Katie Farrow has been an incredible embodiment of what it actually looks like to hold the vision in the gap. And I have goosebumps and chills as I'm sitting here doing this intro because she is living her vision right now. And what's really cool when you hit the vision that you've for so long been holding and stewarding in the gap, you get to create the new vision and you get to expand it and find the new vision. And then you get to hold the new gap. There's always the gap and the gap is a beautiful place to be. And oh my gosh, I'm just so excited to share this episode with you. I'm so excited to share Katie with you. Yes, Katie Farrow, KDF and KDF. Like, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I'm just so excited to share this with you. And I cannot wait to hear the ahas that you receive from it, the codes that you pick up on, the shifts that you uncover. Business gets to be ease, full of ease. It's not going to be easy, but it can be simple and it can be full of ease. And I'm excited for you to witness what that actually looks like in one of my clients who I love so much. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy Katie. Follow her on social media at Orderly Accounting with Katie. And let's do this thing. Welcome, Katie, to the podcast. I'm so excited for us to have a, another conversation. I think this is like, what, our third episode together? Yeah, because we did the one like when I pitched you and then we did like, it was about bookkeeping, right? Before I was coaching. Yeah. And now this is like post-coaching. They're probably every two years. (laughs) I know. I love it. We need to do it more frequently, but I would love for you to give my audience an idea of if they don't already know you, who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Probably shorter if you do it. (laughs) 
But I'm, I'm Katie Farrow, and I am a licensed CPA, a mom of three who are now, like I used to say three little ones are not that little anymore. They're still little, but they used to be really babies. They were all babies at once. So now they're just about to be three, just turned five and six and a half. So I've definitely got my hands full with the kiddos. And I left corporate before becoming a mom because God pushed me there. I, you can hear more about that in our other episode. We talk about that. But basically, stars aligned and I was made to exit corporate and be a stay-at-home mom for a season. My kids are back-to-back. So for a while, I was soaking that up with no idea what was next and really not worrying about what was next. Thankfully, I'm so grateful for that. To reflect on that period of time where I was a stay-at-home mom and pressure of earning didn't really exist. But then there became a time when I just... I knew that I wanted to use my skills, help people and have some autonomy. Financial autonomy at the time was the thing that I wanted the most. That became much more severe and like real and raw, more from a place of like need than like at the time, I just wanted to be able to get my nails done and go and like splurge on my sisters and my mom without feeling like I was spending someone else's money, which is how I felt. And I knew that I didn't want to like not be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So it was like, how do I make all of those things work? And so for, there was a short season where I was focused on, although it wasn't that short, it's probably nine months, where I was focused on trying to like do webinars and get people to learn tax basics because I knew I didn't want to do the work because I had a belief that doing the work meant spending time that was going to come from my kids. And so I had a period of time where I was trying to do that, which then turned into courses once I learned about courses. And I tried that in the pockets of time that I had for about probably nine months. I might have the timeline wrong. And then there became a moment where I shifted into bookkeeping, which was around the time that we started working together shortly after. It wasn't immediate. I think that we started working together in the beginning of 2019. I think we only had like six weeks off after I had Zoe and thought I was going to cruise, which was a really cute thought. Um, but in, in the beginning of 2019, I had found out I was pregnant with Zoe, my third, and I knew that this way of tinkering around wasn't gonna, I, I had a limited amount of time to make it really work is how I felt. So it was either that I was going to give myself the rest of the pregnancy to figure this thing out, or I was going to stop. That's how it seemed in my head. But I guess stopping was never really on the table. So you and I were already connected through my attempts and success at marketing myself in that space, like in terms of numbers. And we had this connection in the DMs. I I think I just like was looking at your stories and you voice memoed me on a very divine day. I'm so grateful for that. Like you trusting yourself, like you were definitely feeling something and you knew and trusted that and you reached out in a voice memo. And then I, that was when it connected because I knew I wanted some type of support by someone who I felt really got it, like got the way that I wanted to do this. Cause like new motherhood with multiples is like nothing that anyone who's not experiencing it can understand. I wasn't doing the corporate thing. I didn't have a babysitter and I just knew that I wanted to like make the most of my time in a way that honored my family. And that was your exact core message at the time. And I knew that you would understand And so you wouldn't push me outside of those boundaries. And so I was like, what does it look like to work together? And then we started working together. And then there was a lean into bookkeeping, which was wildly successful. 
for what it was. Like it was like a, I want to get five to 10 clients before my third baby's born. And that turned into 13 in a three month span. And then I thought that I would have her and cruise with an agency. And after she was born, like it just didn't slow down. Leads kept coming from the efforts that I had done over the summer and what I guess what I was doing for my clients. And I wanted, I still just really wanted to help them. I just didn't want it to be me because I I had told myself like, chill out and enjoy this time home. But I could see like two sides of things. There was, there were people reaching out to me for help with the books. And then there were bookkeepers who I knew were following me. And so I, I kind of just merged the two worlds. At first, I thought I could literally just connect them and not be part of it. But I could see that that wasn't working the way that I felt like it should. So I knew that there was a gap that needed to be closed in terms of like how entrepreneurs need to be spoken to and how bookkeepers needed to like learn how to speak to them. So I started with, you know, a program called Booked Out Bookkeeper, which he, he has since retired. Bob has since retired, but that's where we started uh, with Zoe two months over two months old, literally over my shoulder crying at nine o'clock at night um, or just needing to be there at nine o'clock at night. And that was uh, the very end of 2019. And near the end of 2020, I came out with its prequel, which is um, Become a Bookkeeper, Teaching the Technical Skill, something I could not even fathom when this journey was started. Um, And now that program is almost two years old. And there's been lots of just, you know, I think like using some of your terminology, like subtle tweaks along the way that have just been a constant evolution of like a question of how do I give the most value and honor them on their time? while still honoring me on mine. Yeah. Yeah. I I love hearing you rehash it because I forget some of the nuances of it. Like I forget that you really didn't have the bookkeeping side when we came together. You just had the one yeah. client that was kind of well would you even yeah, consider that? Yeah. So at that I think I had five, but I and but I would not have probably come to you and said, and this is what's funny, I don't think I would have ever come to you and pitched myself as a bookkeeping um, business owner because I almost didn't see it that way. And I didn't have a desire to grow that. Those clients that I had came from one had been with me since I was working corporate um, that I would forget that I did because there was a time where it was a quarterly client. And like, so four times a year, I would go in for one hour and do books. He was a CrossFit gym owner. And so there was, at that time, there was just one gym, but there was a time where there were three gyms and I would still do them all in about like 90 minutes. And I charged pennies on the dollar for that. You know, they were a hundred dollars for the quarter, something crazy to where I think I was making $300 for the three gyms on a quarterly basis, you know, $1,200 for a year but it was probably four hours of my time that like, it was something that would fall off the radar for me. I would be like, oh, it's time for me to do that. And then I would make the money and then I would like spend it, whatever I did with it. Um, But I didn't, I did not see that as something leverageable. I didn't really know how to get clients or even have the desire because getting the clients, like they came to me, you know, and they just knew like, so, so he came to me because I was going to the gym and he needed help with that and knew that I was an accountant. I brought him into the firm that I was working at at that time. They kept the taxes and I kept the books because what, what I can see now, and I don't even know that I talk about this, but like I kept the books because I knew that the firm would charge way more than it needed to be done. And I was still making probably 75 to hundred bucks an hour, which is why I wasn't charging more because I'm like, I didn't feel good with that. Now I have different beliefs around that now. 
But at the time, I was undervaluing my ability to get that done really fast. And I knew I was going to get it done faster than the firm and that I was going to charge less, but I was going to keep more and he was going to pay less and get this valuable service. So when when we left and the, the firm knew I was keeping him as a bookkeeping client, I don't even think they wanted to deal with the hassle, right? So they're like, good, you'll do the books. We'll keep with the taxes. They charged a good amount for that. And I just was like doing somebody a favor, but it was a well-compensated favor. And then, then the next few clients were very similar things. So because I had that and the firm knew I was doing his books, the firm and I kept in touch after I left my corporate job and became a mom loosely. And so when they had a bigger client than they wanted to take that needed like a set of dedicated eyes, they thought of me because they knew that I was a stay-at-home mom. And that client, I don't feel like I talk about that second client at all. I talk about it like behind the scenes in my coaching business, but that one was very instrumental for me. So the first client was instrumental in something that I can only see now going backwards. I had a valuable skill that I was super efficient at. And then the second client was, they came to me and they, they were complicated. They were nuanced. They were stressful in terms of how they moved their money and like what it was like to look at for a type A accountant who's going, how are you doing this? Because it was a tech startup. So it never made me feel comfortable, even though everything was okay. I was always a nervous Nelly accountant looking at this. And they wanted me to do a lot more than I was willing to do. And I quoted them to me a very high hourly. They were paying me hourly at first. It was 125. And this is a funny lesson. So there's so many what you would call like codes and lessons in just this one client that I then took and translated into all of my clients that I now teach in my programs, which was what is your hour worth? And just because someone's asking you for something doesn't mean that you need to do it. And you can set your own parameters of like what this will look like. And it also doesn't have to be yes or no. I didn't have to say, no, I'm not going to do that. So go find someone else. But I also didn't have to do everything that they asked. I could decide what I was willing to charge and then what I was willing to do. I just had to communicate that. And I was really like almost ruthless in my communication with them while we still had this great relationship. And I worked with them for like two years. But I think it was like that I knew my non-negotiables and I literally wasn't willing to sell my time for any less because they came to me at a point where I was pregnant with Nora. So I had a, a baby that had not turned one that was about to be one. And I was pregnant with number two. And they were having me like do 1099s around the time that I was planning my first baby's first birthday. And, but with that one, I knew that their other option outside of me was going to be a firm that billed them $200 an hour or more, or a full-time dedicated employee that they would probably have to train because they wouldn't really know the things that they needed on that kind of level that they'd hire that in California would probably be $120,000 a year or so. So I knew that I was going to come in and be able to like look at things and not need handholding and tell them what needed to be done. And I was going to be less than half of what their other options were too. So that was helpful, but they were really instrumental. So I had those two clients at the time that we started working together, as well as other offshoots that came from them. So like a husband and wife that were referred through the firm and somebody who started a company and went to that same CrossFit gym. So all word of mouth things, all people coming to me and all of me going like, I guess I can do that. And then figuring out what I was willing to sell my time for. And then I was like, I really don't even want any more of those. So at this point, I had five clients that I would forget I had. I wouldn't call myself a bookkeeping business owner. I didn't want to grow the business. I didn't have a website. I was 
billing them, invoicing them monthly through PayPal, things I would definitely tell you not to do now. So I was like having to remember to go in there. I was clocking hours with one of them. I didn't have anybody helping me. I didn't have any bookkeepers on my team. I was doing all of that work. And so that was like my funny money, I think. That was what I was using to invest into the business. And I had done a lot of investing into like, I wouldn't call it coaching that I was trying to do. I was trying to educate brand new business owners to avoid making mistakes on their taxes and with books that I didn't want to do the taxes or the books. Yeah. But then through the through the, that, we looked at it and I was like, all of a sudden I'm like, how much have I spent? Should I call it quits? And then I looked at the numbers and I was like, I spent how much trying to do this? Where did that come from? And it was the bookkeeping. And then I said, at that exact point, I had just hired somebody. And I was like, I've been touching this less and less. And I've been profiting on this. And I've been using those profits to invest in something that isn't working. So it's time to shift and go into the done for you on a, in a leveraged way. Finally seeing like what people would call active income. All of a sudden I was like, that passive income that I've been actively pursuing is possible in bookkeeping. And that's when we went all in on that. Do you remember that one session we had where you, afterwards you were like, you just untangled my brain. Do you remember that one? I feel like that was like one or two. Yeah. I'm, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm remembering. So I'm getting like flashes of, I think I was taking a call in my laundry room at our Florida house before we moved because I think my kids were napping and I used to office in Lizzie's room while she was at school at her desk. And so like this specific day, I was in my laundry room on a fold out chair. Maybe not even, I might've been sitting on like a, um, one of those like step stool things. And I was writing on top of my laundry machine and I had like the two different columns of your business. And I, I, I don't know if I even yeah. like fully said it to you this way, but, but I'm, I, that was the day I started to see how both sides of your business, the bookkeeping side and the coaching side were going to feed each other in the most beautiful way. And your business has always been a circle and it really, one side fuels the other. And then also even in the coaching side, seeing how Babs fuels Libby and how Libby fuels Babs. And it's just, I I would love to go into what are some of those key elements of your business model? Do you feel like have, that have led you to this point of like inevitable success really? And we're, and this tipping point, I don't know if you want to start to speak about that and like what we've been just speaking on and over your business for the last couple of years. Do you want to do a little bit of that? Because you'll do it more concisely than me. I'll get lost in this because I am still a, a mess in here. You still untangle that. I think that is still how that feels in my head is there is probably a thousand thoughts all at once. And it's like, I, but I do know that there's a, a simplicity. And actually, that's why I started working with you to begin with. I had previously been in a program that was to me overcomplicated. And I'm like, no, I want to scrap all of this. I want to take this down to the bones. I want to think about like, and and this is before I knew like 80, 20 rule, even, you know, that like 20% of your efforts create 80% of your income. That wasn't even something that I knew, but like, I kind of intuitively knew that. And I was like, this is not a needle mover. My graphics aren't going to be the thing. Like, let's cut this down to how do we do this without like all of this tech. And that's why we started working together. But yeah, I'm still that mess. So you can you can start weaving it and I'll start filling in pieces. Yeah. So the, I just let's go into tipping point. So there was, I definitely remember last year distinctly us starting to talk about this tipping point that, in that, that there would be a moment when your business would kind of reach this place of like overflow and just like, you can't even stop this thing that's rolling down the hill. And it's because of these tiny tweaks. It's also the vision and the gap and how we've known for a while of what we were creating. And we've been holding that that vision, even in the moments where it doesn't seem like it's working or we have a big like 
snafu that causes like just a lot, you know, and so that you can go into snafus if you want to, but I don't think they're necessary. We all have business snafus, but like the point is, is that here we are October 3rd, 2022, Katie Farrow's hit a tipping point in her business. You have hit the energetic tipping point and it's pretty freaking cool. And I want you just to kind of describe how it feels in your body, how it feels when you look at your business and what's next. Like you just, yeah, just riff for me, do your thing. It's like, yeah, well, I'm getting goosebumps because you're calling it a tipping point, but I'm seeing like floodgates and it feels like, like it actually could carry you away. (laughs) It actually could. So I'll do some metrics. Like I said, I don't really want to share like exact numbers on any of this because you know what? None of it even matters. It's not even the point. It's so I like to do like more percentages or like what things do. And so last month, as we were talking about this October 3rd, so September just wrapped last month. I surpassed my biggest month to date by 50%. So one and a half times my biggest month. And my biggest month to date recently, very recently, blew my mind and was something where, and this is where I'm talking about the flood could carry you away. Like, and I actually see this with my bookkeeping clients. Like sometimes hitting these tipping points is actually, it's the destination. Everybody's on their path, hoping that they hit that. When they hit that, it is often harder than not hitting it. It gives me like a, a body and a physical body response because I've I've had hard conversations with my bookkeeping clients. So like for anyone that's not already familiar with me, I'm still very much half coach, half bookkeeper. So I have like mm-hmm. 30-ish bookkeeping clients and I've worked with some of them on the CFO level. I'm connected to all of their numbers and there's definitely a collective that goes on and very repeatable things. So I'm absolutely not calling out any one person. These are all repeated things where you see very high months followed by some of the hardest emotions, even with high profits, because all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I got here. It's like being on top of Mount Everest and like realizing that you don't know if you have enough water to get back down. It's actually a success. And some people have a fear of success. Others get there and then they're like, oh my God, like now the pressure is really big. It feels like you need to sustain it and you can, and you don't. And you know, there's a whole lot there too, but Hating a month where you think that you're, it sounds ridiculous to say, but I'm just going to say it. Hating a month that like was a, a dream and a vision. Sometimes the pursuit of that thing, even when it doesn't feel like it in our head is the fun, even when it feels hard, or even if it feels out of reach or like what's not working, you're, there's still a thing where you're chasing and the chase is fun and it's light because part of you still doesn't think you're going to make it. When you make it, whatever that is to you, it's like, oh my God, something bad is going to happen. It happens repeatedly. So like my last month was one and a half times the last time that I was on Mount Everest. So now I'm on a a mountain that doesn't exist, but it feels different. I think it feels like, so I never expected to reach that again. And then I just like cleared it by one and a half. And that was not my intention coming into this month at all. It wasn't even my intention and what I was doing to shift there. So I'm mind blown and I'm, I'm grateful that this kind of, I was kind of prepared for a moment where it wouldn't make sense, right? Um, in, in those terms, I guess. I had a day that just blew my mind. Like I just, they're not things that I even, they're amazing and I, I don't even care to do it again. But you know why I think why it works is aside from having all of the pieces in place, like all of the marketing and support and different experts and brains and things that are also scary to invest in, all of that and like a good program. My program's really good. You know, that helps. I think what you did really well is you didn't, it wasn't like you were trying to hit an X amount of month or money. 
It's not about me. That's what I was going to say. It wasn't about me. Last month wasn't about me. I wasn't trying to hit a milestone. I wasn't thinking about me and my numbers and quantity. I just knew that there was a disconnect. And I think this is one of the things, like, I don't know that you would recognize this so much, but I think this is one of the things that we do really well together is like, this thing is really bothering me right now. Getting annoyed is usually a trigger to something really great. And you help me with that not sit in the trigger, though we do that because you shouldn't ignore it. We go, yeah, that is really annoying. And then we kind of hover outside of that and we play with the why. Why is that happening? What could that be here to show me? What's not working? What can be done better? What can be done like better for me and better for them? And those kind of things. And so we were just in a, in a period of like, I was raising prices on a program because we could see a disconnect, not because I wanted to make more money. We could see a disconnect in the price because the value is so much greater than the price that it's a disservice to the people who are trying to buy because they're sitting here looking at this and trying to figure out like what piece is broken. Why am I discounting this so much? And that's a disservice to them who could be getting in clearer and by seeing the whole value. And so we raised the price. We talked about why. We talked about the value inside of the program, which I just haven't taken the time to do. Because I've been doing all these other things and you know, living life and life is doing what life does. And so to showcase the value of the program, I have to sit down and create a survey and figure out the way to deliver it where it could continue to be accurate. And that took some time. And then in showing that and letting the students speak to the program, and they love to do this too. In letting the students speak to the program, other people who thought about the program were able to just topple over. I said to my very sweet audience, my group, that my paid members of Life by the Books, they're in my monthly group coaching program for bookkeepers. They're so sweet because they were like reaching out like, I counted how many people joined. Like, let's celebrate Katie for a minute. And I was telling them, I felt like I was cow tipping. I felt like there was like a visualization. Like I didn't know that there were like a bunch of people sitting on a fence. And then all of a sudden I saw them and like something bad is going to happen. I was like running down like and just knocking them off of the fence. But I didn't know they were sitting there. And then with talking to somebody else, um, she was like, "And, and you know what? Like your messaging should tighten up and you should stop having like an aversion to typical marketing tactics, which I have a strong aversion to. And my audience seems to love it. So like I get nervous about changing that and speaking in a more directive tone because I don't want to lose their trust and have it go the opposite way. My friend was saying is like, you're hurting in a sense, you're hurting them in a sense by doing that because you're not showing them like what's really possible faster. So like, think about how long they sat on that fence because you didn't show them what is true and what was needed to tip them over. Yeah. The whole month of September for you was about how do I showcase these results? How do I show these people what I have? And it had nothing to do with your sales. It was more of like this, I'm raising the price because it needs to happen. So I want to, I'm going to give you the chance to get in and buy this offer at the lower price. So it was completely in service to your people. Yeah. I did not mean for that to be a launch. I meant to raise the price appropriately. And then like to, to close that gap and the disconnect between value. And I'm not even sure we're there. And I had resistance to doing that because that meant that I had to take my evergreen thing and change it. And so really like it wasn't even my favorite thing to do. I just kind of knew it needed to be done, but there's been other things like that. So the scale has gotten greater, but we've done that on a lot of things like that same 
what's not working and how could this thing actually be hurting the audience that we're meaning to serve? Like revamping my program, Life by the Books, because we were just talking about Become a Bookkeeper. There's the other one, Life by the Books, and there, there was this whole like shedding of the program from Booked Out Bookkeeper to Life by the Books because the messaging and the program were starting to misalign. I was talking about booking out, but inside I'm going like, relax, like life first to give yourself some grace. This doesn't have to happen fast. Your capacity doesn't ever have to be reached, all of that stuff. And so there was a misalignment in messaging, but also a misalignment in structure. And so it started with with an irritation for me, but then I was like, but where am I holding this and making it like about me or a fear, a fear of changing my messaging because of how they might respond to that versus doing what I think is actually best for them, opening it up. I lowered prices. We Mm -hmm. took a program and we slashed the price. You know, I cut it down by 33% and gave greater access and lower price points. But like, we knew that that would allow people to come in whenever and get the same result. One of the things I I think that about this access, this greater access that I want to highlight is one of the things I love so much about our relationship is you aren't the kind of client that's like, yes, Katie, I'm going to go do that. Yes, Katie Fleming, I'm going to go do that. You're always like pushing and trying to not pushing in a bad way, but like you find your own way. And so I'll say something and you'll be like, "Ah, no, I'm going to do my way. And I love it because like you did one-on-one access for people in Libby, Life by the Books. And I'm like, that's psycho. What are you doing? And it's worked out so well. You know your people and you also know your boundaries. And I love it because you don't, like if you have a coach, if you're listening to this and you have a coach, like push back on your coach. They're not God. Please for the love. We are not God. I'm such a pain in the butt. I I I am really a pain in the butt and I know it, but thank you for being able to to handle that because, you know, it's the same thing. Like, it's not about being right or wrong. I'm just, I'm literally just listening and then going like, I don't know if that's true. I do it to everybody. I do it to everybody. And like, so I'm like laughing, thinking about like me challenging, you know, the ads people or the copywriters or the graphic designers or the podcast. And and I challenge all of them, but again, and they handle it so gracefully. And you know what? I want to, I want to back it up just a little bit because I do have all of those things right now, but I literally just, I haven't even like live launched yet. It's still sitting in draft, something that a graphic designer just enhanced and a copywriter literally just reviewed something that's been working. So I'm only doing it now. And I'm doing it now because I've done the stuff that I think really matters, listening, creating, talking, connecting, selling, thinking in in terms of like getting the product right. Now I'm honing the messaging just so that I can, you know, continue to serve a greater capacity. I think I'm actually really seeing now that, and there's other ways for me to connect these things. And there's other things to move on to next and ways where I can let people get in and experience that transformation while still working on the next thing. Like things are going to be coming. That's one thing we so did really to well was we got, we got the house framed and all the rooms situated. And now you've been hanging embellishments, adding an email sequence, putting, you know, drapery up, which could be like an upsell or something. Like there's all these other fancy things that we can get lost in the online space around. But if you don't have the foundation, these embellishments don't matter. Yeah. And they're there now more because the DMs are, are more flooded than they used to be. And like, I have to just have places to put people for that so that I am limiting my time going over the same exact thing. So it's really, it's a time saver thing to answer all of their questions and make sure that that's there and then make sure that I can let this live so that I can get more of my time back to be able to serve 
my community. But yeah, I'm always fighting or probably what feels like fighting to them. To me, I'm just so used to being like this and it means nothing about them. And I'm also still value their opinion while at the same time saying that might technically be the rule. But for this, I really don't think so. Like I will not fluff up anything. We're accountants. Like I'm talking to accountants. We do not want fluff. And actually my audience responds way better when the promise seems more realistic. So while other things that other people sell, they're like, show this, like show all of the best case scenario, tell them it's going to happen fast. Mine works better when I'm like, no, it's not going to all, can it? Yes. But does it have to? No. And does it always? No. And here are some really good success stories. And then also here's like one where you don't feel like you're there yet. Like I was just talking to the group and I'm saying, I want to bring some people on the podcast who are in between. I want to tell the story of like, you're not there yet. How does it feel? How does it feel? It's okay. Like, it's okay to be on the path. You don't have to wait until you reach this like elusive place to speak. Yeah. Hey, Ambitious Mom, today's episode is brought to you by Everyday Payday. This is my simple methodology to help you go from a trickle of sales here and there to your PayPal and Stripe popping off every single day with notifications. Imagine waking up to these payment notifications that came in overnight. Imagine stacking revenue month over month over month and celebrating new clients coming into your world every single day. Inside this program, you'll receive the simple methodology on the strategy and energetics of making every day a payday. I'm also throwing in a list of over 100 sales activities to plug and play with right now in your business. The best part, doing this methodology literally takes less time than it takes to fold the load of laundry that you've had in the dryer for days. <laughs> I can't wait to see you inside and celebrate every day being your payday in your business. Go to katiefleming.co slash payday. Let's do this thing. There's so many lessons right there in the gap. It's the whole journey. It's like, right. it's like what you said, once you get to the mountain, it's like, oh, okay, great. The, all, all the intelligence, all the fun was in the place between. So then we have to set a new mountain. Ooh, goosebumps. Yeah. And it's like, it, and I know it's hard. Like, I know it. I know it's hard to be on that journey, especially when it is much more need or when something bad is happening and the uh, the business building is going to get you out of that bad in your head. I get it. Like, I'm not losing sight of that. But I do wish that like more people would find the ability to look around and enjoy the entire process. If you feel like quitting, because the truth is, you know, we were talking about some of this like in the DMs, like I'm, I'm listening to messaging about it being hard or wanting to quit. I don't think I've ever experienced a single moment where quitting was actually on the table. I feared that if I didn't get it together quickly with Zoe, that it might happen. But outside of that, it's never been, I don't have nights where I go to bed wanting to burn my business down. But I think it's been a very, like that vision in the gap for me thing. It, like I'm always in the gap, but the vision is so freaking clear to me that it's just a matter of like, how are we working towards that? And what do I need to do today to make sure I'm not building this for today, but for tomorrow? Because uh, when you're on that pursuit too, and when like it's up and up and up, or when you, you're like, it's also being patient with the process, right? We're not trying to do any of it fast. We're doing things today, expecting that that'll get us there in a year. And then often it happens faster because of the intention in which we're building it. Does that make sense? Like I just, I do sometimes wish that we could stop a lot more and enjoy even the ugly parts of the journey. It's like how people like to tell you when it's, you know, early motherhood and your hair is covered and spit up and you're bleeding and you 
you know, there's stuff all over the house and you're sleep deprived and people are like, enjoy every second, but then it's gone. And then you look back and you're like, I mean, the initial years of building, there will come a time where, where you're in a more, uh, where your business is more mature, where you almost lose that excitement of the, the first couple of years. And we should still marvel in awe at ourselves with what we're doing, even when we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, you said the vision is so clear. Has it always been that clear? Or do you think the closer you get, the more clear it becomes? I, I honestly think it's kind of like a natural thing in my my brain. I think that I, I do a lot of things and it's very visual. Like I really kind of see it. But I would say that the things that I'm looking at, I mean, I, I marvel at the stuff that I've done. I literally go like, I can't believe that, yeah. you know, I'm sitting in a kitchen that was not even on the radar, right? Like there's, there's a, a pool that was a dream. And then it's like, I don't lose sight of those things. So those were not even, I mean, I never thought that I would put a pool in this house, never. So when I did it, I was like, wow. So no, I wasn't, I wasn't a kid that like was like, oh, I'm going to have all of these things. My dreams and expectations were very reasonable. But I think it's like, I think there's a natural part of me that says, I'm going to do this thing and then I'm going to do it. You know, I think I've done a lot of that in terms of like school or accolades or whatever. Like, yeah, I I get like fixated and I, I do get it done. That is, that is a pretty natural tendency of mine. So, but, but where it's going in my head keeps getting bigger. Although I'll say stuff like I didn't expect this. And then I'm like, I kind of did, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that thing, but at the same time, I wasn't sure. I love, I love like, I love my clients that mirror back to me, the cool things I say, the cool ideas that I have. And you do a great job of that. But I also love mirroring back to you, your genius. And one of your, my favorite quotables from you is the best marketing is being really good at what you do. It's Mm -hmm. you and you are a living embodiment. That is a part of what you teach in Babs, which has become a bookkeeper. And it goes into Libby, Life by the Books and building a bookkeeping business. But you are a living embodiment of it because your programs speak for themselves. You are really good at what you do. And that's why your business is where it's at. And I just want to like, just celebrate that for a second. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, I'm like cringing and also like loving it at the same time. I'm like, thanks. But, you know, because I think another thing that I've been trying to do lately is give myself the credit for some of those things and acknowledge some of those things. But the, uh, the things that kind of work on one thing, just like you're saying how they feed each other, like skills of one thing really feed into the next. Like, I will say that Babs is a very well executed program. Like just the technology that automates and runs that program, you're going to feel like you're getting hands-on training and I'm not going to touch it. You might have five questions throughout, right? And I know that and I will answer you. And that's actually like a little hesitancy that I have now. We'll probably be talking about a hundred people just enrolled in Babs. Now, how do I make sure their questions are getting answered? Cause they have to get answered. They will not get left, but like, then what do we do? What does it look like? And, and you're very good at that. Today, there's 150 people in there. So you'll say, what happens when there's a thousand? That is one of the greatest questions because that's really where I start to think now, like, can this hold the capacity of what I'm actually trying to build? And I think a lot of times, like, we build things that aren't. But anyway, all of this to say, Babs is a very, very, very te- like a technologically automated program just in the way that I'm using Kajabi. You know why? Because I'm very techy and very, I automate stuff. That's why I'm a good bookkeeper. Yeah. So those two things together go hand in hand. And what I'll say, I think I didn't understand. I knew I was good at bookkeeping. I just 
I, I guess I was taking for granted the way I hacked a lot of systems to, I see how it's working. I really understand how it's working. And I also understand, like, I understand the bookkeeping and then I understand the tech behind it because my brain has always been very systems driven. Like there was a time um, in high school, I was studying uh, programming, computer programming. And I always say that like in an alternate ending of my life, if I had just started that a little bit sooner and if I didn't feel kind of like out of my depth, I was the only girl in that class. I started one quarter late to a two-year program. This was my high school. It was a magnet school. And they had been doing it as a hobby. So I was behind and I honestly didn't like that feeling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't like that feeling. And I didn't feel like I could catch up and I wasn't passionate enough about it to really do it. But at the same time, I was almost like C++ certified back when like that was a thing. Um, I missed it by like two questions. So like I could have been a coder probably with the way that my brain works. I can code, I can formulize, I can systematize, but I also understand accounting. So that allows me to see what's happening, look at a brand new system like Stripe that I've never seen before and figure it out because I know that it is that, like how Stripe is feeding data into into zero is the most black and white anything could ever be. Numbers start to get subjective. Bookkeeping and where, what buckets things go into in tax is subjective. It is subjective, right? It's not that black and white. But how data comes from one system to another, it follows an if-then logic that is always there. And I'm really good at figuring that out and I like to. And then I put the pieces together and then I'm like, great. I just took something that either makes no sense or takes 10 hours. And I made it a 30-minute process with steps that I can execute down to my team. That's how I do bookkeeping. And that's the kind of stuff that I show in Babs. And my ability to do that level of bookkeeping is the same muscle that built Babs. So that's why it's it's a program like it is, you know? And I think I've been like hiding that less and less, allowing myself to say that about myself, even though it sounds to me like egotistical. Yeah, it's allowing yourself to be really well compensated for the stuff that comes easy. Yeah. And allowing myself to like claim that I'm an expert, right? Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's not, especially as like a young woman, like to say, I'm an expert in bookkeeping. Like who gives you the right to say that? Right. And I think that's where I struggled for a while. And I, I didn't even see that for a while. And then when I did see it, it was like, well, I better stay modest. But if my goal is honestly to help people come in and do high level bookkeeping in a leveraged way, I'm not, helping by hiding the fact that I am the expert. Yeah. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up, I want to roll into talking about everyday paydays and when you started really putting that intention into place to make everyday a payday, you were already pretty close to begin with, but talk to me about that. I don't don't know. Yeah. No. Well, when, when did you introduce everyday payday? Oh gosh. Was that like March or April? Last year. Of this year. No. You've been talking about it longer than that though. No. It's been definitely been talking about it, but it's been a thing, a product recently this year. Well, I feel like it was before March. I feel like I feel like at least a year ago in in my world, you were talking about everyday paydays. It's one of those things that Katie speaks into existence things for me. She says them like they've already happened. Sometimes I'm like, (laughs) give me a declarative, make this so you know, because she says it. And then I'm like, okay, that sounds crazy. Like, 
I don't even care about that. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go like, you'll tell me something's going to happen. I'm like, that's not even the goal. I don't even care. Like, I don't care if I get paid every day. I mean, I really don't care if I get paid every day. Right. I just, and especially the way that my brain works, I just care that I am profiting and that that profit then feeds into the things I actually want to do in my life. That that profit translates into me taking the trip, me going to the dinner, me booking the spa, me building the pool or whatever, like while also, you know, setting my kids up and those things, that's the, that's what makes me really tick. So when Katie started saying to me, and I, I'm going to say a year, I think you created the program around something you were already heavily yes. talking about. And I think if you go back even into that, like 2021, where you were doing the, um, all of the programs, you know, magnetic marketing and seamless sales, I think that it was a, a key message in that. And it might go back to the money game. Could that be? Yeah. Could it go Actually, back yeah. to like April of 2021? I think that might be, I think April of 2021, I just, I'm a freak, but I know where I was when that money game was happening and I was on a trip um, in Orlando and I was paying attention because that was so fun. That was so fun. I, I thrive in those challenges where like, it's fun to try. Like, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. I, I also did one thing with um, Rachel Rogers did like that 10K and 10 day thing. To me, that seemed ridiculous. Like, that's not a thing. I did not hit 10K in 10 days then. I did it very shortly after. Because just the idea that that could be possible, if it's not my goal, it carries less pressure. But okay, if you're telling me it's possible, like, all right, let's go. So I think you might have introduced the concept of everyday payday in the money game in April of 2021. And I remember having a... I thought it was a cool concept, but I didn't really care, if I'm honest, which I think is hilarious. Because it was just implanted there that it could be possible. I didn't want to fixate on that as like my number one goal, but as it got closer and closer, because I feel I tilted my head when you said I was already close. I feel like it might have been that I was getting paid maybe 15 days out of every month at that point. So if that's close, I think some people would say that that's close. I feel like you're, you still got to fill in every other day, right? Um, and some of mine are recurring, like a monthly bookkeeping subscription happens on, I might have five people on one day of that. So then it's like, well, what is an everyday payday? Is every, is an everyday payday getting a payout every day? Is it making sale every day? Is it, you know, making a sale consistently every month? That's the one that I always find most appealing is the, the perpetual income, but it was something that was there. So as I got closer and closer, And when you released Everyday Payday, I listened to that and I was like, yeah, she's right. Like there are these distinct things, a long list of distinct things that you can do. And if you really want to make a sale every day, you will do, what do you say? What is, what is your recommendation of how often to do them? Three to five a day. Okay. Three to five a day. That seems like a lot to me, maybe. But then, well, it's like, but you do it. You think about, you do a podcast. Yeah. Promote your podcast. You may promote the sale of somebody buying Babs today. That's two right there. So it gets, it seems like a lot, but it's actually really easy. When you look at the list, you're like, all right, these things already happened. So what I, what I started to do, because for some reason it became a fun goal to me. And I was like, I'm going to literally hit this everyday payday. And to me, that means getting paid like making a sale every single day, Saturdays and Sundays and holidays included every single day within a calendar period, not just 30 days. Cause it's just not, it's, I want to see it from the first to the end of a month. Right. And I feel like I got intention. I feel like I was toying with following the processes since I saw the processes. 
Because I think it can get easy to become complacent and because those tasks are not asking a lot. So I was like challenging myself to make it a goal. And then I, but I did not care how long it took. I just knew that I was going to get there. Right. So this is a, this is a thing that I've done with a couple of of, um, goals that I have that are more fun goals. And there's like, I'm going to get to a point where I have X amount of this or whatever. I'm going to get to a point where I hit that true everyday payday, even if I was close. So I would say I had months where it was like 27 days out of the month or whatever. You would ask me how many non-paydays do you have? And I'm like 27. I think a lot of people would say that that, like that's how many paydays, right? I think a lot of people would say that that is an everyday payday, but I'm not going to count it until it's literally every day. (laughs) So what I started to do then was look, because a lot of mine is perpetual. So I had some specific days where there was nothing. So I would go into that like week ahead talking about something or opening something, playing with offers from a place of like play, like what can I do? And I did like some day flash sales, which is not something I would typically do, but I played with some of that. And yeah, in August, in August, I actually hit that, which was a 31 day month, which had extra credit to me. Like it it was one of the longer months and we hit it. And then what was funny, right? We looked back, I think I went 60 something days without a break. So I went through, through two, I don't think I hit it two exact months in a row, but the lead up and the post made it 60 something everyday paydays. So the the thing that like I was seeing from that is just the intention of doing it will create that stacking. Like trying to hit 30 makes you hit 60, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the intention and the actually doing the action, like diligently yes. doing that. And then you detached from when, like you had no meaning around what, like you made the 27 day payday month mean absolutely nothing because it meant nothing. Right. I was like, cool. I know I'm getting close. That's how it felt. It was like, cool. I'm getting close. That means I'll hit it. But then like, I might have hit it without intention just by the way that my offers are, but it, it definitely called me up to playing with different things. Exactly. Like I'm saying from a point of play, not a point of force, not a, I have to run a sale to make this, but I did stuff like also like launched new things that I was stalling on. And then was like, now I'll do like a early, if you sign up in this period, I'll do a, a discount. So like not a sale, but like a pre-sale thing. And then, yeah, we, we had so much fun with that. I'm like lots of low ticket things, but like to me, if that's my definition, then a $27 sale absolutely counts. You know, it's not, yeah. that was more of like, how do we make this thing work? So I loved that though. And you've always said, if you do it, it works. Right. And so yeah. it was just uh if you do it, it works thing. Detaching so much from the timeline. That's huge. Who even cares when for any of it? Who cares when? Yeah. I keep saying that time isn't real and that it's an agreement. And I just agree with it. Who cares when? Hold the vision in the gap. That's all you got to (laughs) do. So I want you to leave everybody with like just some closing words and thoughts specifically for the woman who's listening to this. And she is kind of exhausted by her business in a way. She's been in a hard season maybe. And she wants to feel this like romantic relationship you and your business seem to have. (laughs) What would you say to her? You need an outsider, honestly. You And maybe to try something you haven't tried before for sure. But I, working with Katie has been so invaluable, obviously, like just wouldn't do without it. And thankfully haven't had to. You got to be obviously like ready to do your thing and listen, but just somebody else's opinion who shares, 
who will listen enough, like to be able to untangle my brain at the speed that I speak at. Sometimes it takes an intense amount of listening, but also like, like not just hearing, but like, I feel like you're listening from like the bleachers. So like, you're really watching, like with your clipboard, it's like draft day or something like that. Like you're taking really good notes, letting me take as much time as it takes to process. And then going like, all right, here's what I saw, like excellent play. And if we just like, just when you're going to throw the ball, if you could just like move this finger, you know, and then all of a sudden it goes from being, you know, I don't know anything about football. I have been watching Friday Night Lights, obviously, right? But like, if you throw it, like, it's it's now going to go 50% farther, you know, because you make this tiny little tweak. Or maybe you literally just need somebody to tell you, good job. I need that. Like, I really need somebody that I can vocalize all of this to, that I can share the wins, that I can share the frustrations, who has shared in this journey, who understands what the heck I'm talking about. And sometimes who can just hear me vent. And then other times can just say, really good job shift it this much, this tiny little bit and, and everything starts to come into place. It's, it's invaluable. And like, I always say this about like my own stuff, like, could you do it alone? Probably. Do you want to? I don't. Yeah. I love, I love that you bring up the little pinky finger thing because recently I had somebody say that my, coaching is like the butterfly effect where it's like one flap, one little flap, like changes everything. It's like one little, little tweak. And I definitely feel like that's my edge big time. You see things in a different way. Like you're, you're seeing it's, uh, however many dimensions we live on here, I feel like you have like one or two more. Like, (laughs) are we, are we in the 3d? What are we? I'm genuine question. How many dimensions exist right here? I mean, that's debatable. It might be five. Right? (laughs) Well, I I would say that you have a lens that has an extra dimension. And that what I love about you and what I try to embody is trusting your own voice and feeling. There are a lot of things that like, you'll say it. And like I'm saying, you'll speak things into existence. But I don't think you're just telling me what I want to hear. I think you're actually seeing that and knowing that. Mm. But that validation, especially after we've built so much trust over the years, I I take that and I run with that. So like for me, a sentence could be yeah. a really big, it absolutely is a ripple effect because just like you said before we started the call, yeah, you said before you started the call, like you're here now, right? And I'm like, I'm never close to that. And then I'm like, it's like this funny little thing. I don't know. Do you do it intentionally? Like when you do that? Were you really asking this question or were you like challenging me? What are, I don't even remember what I said. That's part of the problem. It's all, I don't even, sometimes I'm not even conscious of what I say. It's not even a problem. Anyway, I, I think that you might've been shifting some messaging of marketing of clients. And you're like, I think you were trying to get a gauge of how much I was making per month so that you could say that you like, you could like, not just. Oh, the 20 K, like, the, 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 where I was when I yeah. said that to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me see. I can tap into it right now. I could, I swore you were already there. Yeah. She busted me. She's like, are you at 20 K months? I'm like, no, I, I think I said, aren't you at 20 K months already or something like that? Yeah. And like, for me, 20 K months weren't even the goal. Like, I'm like, no, I'm like, yeah. I'm at 11, I, I did 11 K last month and that's amazing, you know, and it is. And so I'm like, 
I'm like, heck no, I don't know. You know, and it's those kind of things because then what I, and I really don't think that that had to do with me, but just saying it, I'm like, I start to think like, what would it look like to make 20K? Like, what would you have to do? And, but if you know what it is, it is not doubling what you're doing. So if I was at 10 and she called me the 20, it's not doubling. I don't have to take on twice the amount of clients, but I do have to start getting creative and thinking, what does that look like? That is like my favorite question. Like, what does that look like to do whatever? And making it mean nothing, but like actually playing with it because everything is possible. And I, I think I do believe that. I think I believe that we can create mostly anything and that everything is possible. You've got to be a little bit patient, a little bit realistic with your own stuff. You've definitely got to be true to you and what you're doing. You've got to mean it. You've got to be authentic. It's got to be from like a heart-centered place. I don't really love that term heart-centered because I think it's just overused and, and diluted. But like when it is truly in the act of service of like, how can I do this and do it well, then everything starts to come together. Yes. Yes. I love it. Okay. We have got to end this conversation. We really could talk all day, but I would love for you to leave everybody with where they can connect with you, drop your podcast, drop your Instagram, all the things. Yeah. I would say Instagram and the podcast. So Instagram is at orderly accounting by Katie. You can find the link to the podcast in there. And the podcast is profits plus Prosecco profits and Prosecco with the plus sign. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and sharing the whole journey. I mean, we really should have these on like at least a semi-annual basis, if not more, (laughs) because there's so much going on. I love it. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. It has been so incredible getting to chat with you today on the podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and drop us a review so that you are the first to know when I drop a new episode for you. Oh, and don't forget, screenshot your show and post on your Instagram stories and tag me at Katie Fleming. I love getting to hang out with you each week on the podcast and can't wait to catch up with you soon in the DMs on Instagram. Let's do this thing.